It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Content warning. This episode contains discussion of the murder of two girls as well as predatory voyeurism. We would like to begin this episode with a request we've made before. We know that this podcast reaches a large number of people who live in Peru, Indiana. People who know Tony Klein, or his son, Kegan Klein. If you know the Kleins, and have any stories you want to share with us about your experiences with them, 
please send us an email at murdersheet at gmail.com. And if you want to be anonymous, don't worry. We protect our sources. In some of our recent episodes, we've covered upsetting developments in the investigation into the Delphi murders. In case you've wondered, if people tell us things that seem significant or sensitive, we share those details with law enforcement and also ask if it would hurt the investigation if we reported them here. There are items they have asked us to hold back on, and we have agreed to do so. We have gotten their go-ahead to reveal an intriguing detail we have heard from multiple people. We will share that in this episode, as well as a talk with one of Tony Klein's classmates and a letter we received from Kagan Klein himself. My name is Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And this is The Murder Sheet, a weekly true crime podcast. Anya and I connected over the Burger Chef murders, a 1978 unsolved case involving the killings of four young restaurant employees. We're The Murder Sheet, and this is The Delphi Murders. Who is Tony Klein? Part 3. During the course of our reporting, we have been told by multiple people that Tony Klein had a reputation in high school as being a peeping Tom. Multiple people have described to us one particularly disturbing peeping Tom incident involving Tony Klein. On this occasion, he was alleged to have been looking at a sleeping female through an open window. But that apparently wasn't enough for Tony Klein. Our sources told us that Klein got a stick, stuck it inside the window, and used it to push up the nightgown of his unconscious victim. It's an incredibly disturbing incident. A young man seemingly unsatisfied with simply spying. One who became willing to go even further to dehumanize and humiliate his victim. It is worth noting that Peeping Tom, or voyeuristic types of behavior, also can escalate. In an article in Psychology Today, Wendy L. Patrick discussed research that suggests this sort of crime can be a gateway to much more serious offenses. Anya will read an excerpt from that informative piece, and we'll include a link to the complete article in our show notes. Voyeurism requires objectification, and is predatory in nature because it involves watching someone without the person's knowledge or consent. Research demonstrates a link between voyeurism and crime, 
A significant percentage of criminals who commit sexual assaults report a history of voyeurism or exhibitionism. Overlapping sexual deviations coupled with an escalation in behavior lend support to a model of sexual addiction, recognizing that such addiction usually involves multiple compulsive behaviors as opposed to only one type. This is upsetting enough on its own, but of course it may take on special significance in this case. In the police transcript we released last month, investigators discussed a rather terrifying incident. After a young woman gave her address to someone using the Anthony Schatz account, she arrived home on a school bus and discovered a man wearing a ski mask peering into her bedroom window. Moving on, we would like to share with you a conversation we had with a woman we will call Erin. That's not her real name. She comes from Peru, Indiana, where Tony Klein lives. She shared with us a disturbing story about an experience she had with Klein. We were able to corroborate information she gave us. But we wanted to start our chat by getting some background on the city of Peru itself. Most of us, after all, don't know much about what the community itself is like. For people who are outsiders, what is Peru, Indiana, like? like? Um, I mean, it's a very small-knit community. Um, most of the people here, um, I mean, I would say they've lived here for a long time. And generally, you either have two types of people who are from Peru. They either stay here forever <laughs> Or they get out their first chance and never come back. Um, so for me, I'm obviously one of the long long-term residents. Um, my family uh, was raised here. So I mean, it's, it's a pretty, you know, for me, it's about raising my kids here. Small town, it's pretty safe, I always thought. Of course, under these circumstances, I'm learning um, that it might not be as safe as what I thought. Um, we have had in the past couple of years kind of a growing um, trend of some more gun violence and things like that that have been happening in the community. Um, so it has changed a little bit. Uh, I don't think that people are as comfortable with, you know, their kids necessarily taking off uh, blocks away and playing at parks like they used to. So I think we've kind of, um, just in today's day and age, you kind of have to kind of that a little bit and make sure that you're protecting um, your children. Um, but for the most part, you know, for my family, um, we've always been into sports. It's an athletic community. Uh, people are very involved with the school corporations um, between the three uh, Miami County schools. Um, so I'd like to say we're pretty uh, tight, tight knit group. Like a lot of people know each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When she was a teenager, Aaron was a member of the Peru Deb Batons, a large group that twirled batons at various events. Aaron told us about her history with the group. So um, back, and I'm not sure when it started. Um, for me, it was a family event. My aunts uh, were involved in it. And so my mother had put me in it um, when I was about four years old. And um, it was pretty much a growing trend then in the 80s. Um, it's not something that is around anymore, um, but it lasted for several years. 
um, it was a pretty big core group. So we had a lot of, we had like the uh, large core and then we had a small core and we competed um, all over the state of Indiana, sometimes in Ohio um, and even Michigan, we went to different contests. So the families that were involved in that were, you know, most of them were rather close. Now, Tony Klein's sister was also a member of the group, but she was several years older than Aaron. And so the two young women were not close. But Aaron's aunts knew Tony's sister better. And so, as a result, when the Peru debutantes went to contests and such, the families would sometimes travel together. We would go on stayaways um, at different hotels. And I, you know, I don't remember anything specific about him at those at that time, because I really didn't, um, I guess I knew the family more, his mom and his sister and knew of him, but he, like I said, was older. So, um, we just, the families knew each other. And so my best friend, um, happened to live basically right behind, um, the Klein residence when they grew up. Um, and it was over across town from where I live. But I spent a lot of time there. I, I pretty much grew up there um, and spent lots of weekends at my best friend's house um, at sleepovers. And then she would come over and stay at my house as well. So we knew of him in the area, but really weren't necessarily friends with him. Right. And it sounds like there was that there was that distance where it's like, OK, we're not really super familiar with Tony Klein. But do, you, yeah. do you remember anything like in a small town of people saying anything about like what he was like or what his family was like? Um. But the family was always considered rather nice and, and prominent. You know, they lived in a really nice house. It was very um, kept up, you know, as far as the upkeep. Um, I noticed recently, obviously, they don't live there anymore. Um, so it, it, it doesn't look the same, <laughs> obviously, over the years of the wear and tear. But at the time, you know, they were a prominent family. People knew of them. Um, but I... Really, what I had heard really about him um, is I knew he was uh, some friends with some other guys at school that I knew of. And so he, I think, might have been on the football team, um, I believe. So he was rather popular um, and people knew of him. And really, my my feelings about him before the incident was really just kind of neutral, like because I really didn't know a whole lot I knew of him. Right. I'm I'm from a small town, too. And I definitely there were people like that were like, OK, like he seems fine, like whatever. Like, I don't I'm not I'm not thinking about this person that much, even though I know of him. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Until something happens. And then you're like, wow, that was odd. The incident Aaron is about to describe likely took place in 1986. And it forever after changed her opinion of Tony Klein. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle. But it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin. 
or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Row Body Program. Here's how it works. Row gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Row Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's R-O dot C-O slash msheet. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. It was, I'm pretty sure I've narrowed it down to 86. So I would have been a freshman in high school, and he would have been a senior. Um, And I was walking home from school one day. I was also a cheerleader. And I, this particular day, I was in my cheerleading uniform, um, which I'm not someone who's super, I mean, I, obviously I had to wear it when I was supposed to wear it, but I'm not someone who wears skirts a lot otherwise. Um, so that's what made it a little kind of more odd. Um, but I happened to notice that as I was walking home, um, you know, I'm, I'm always pretty aware of my surroundings. I was always kind of taught to be. Um, and I actually, um, my job that I work in, I have to be now even more, um, aware of my surroundings. And, um, on this particular day, I kind of just got this weird feeling that, you know, someone was following me. And so basically I turned around and I did see this, um, guy a couple blocks back, 
Um, and I didn't think a whole lot of it. It just was, you know, again, just being aware that there was someone there. And then I just kind of kept walking. Um, but, you know, my house is probably about seven to eight city or I guess town. I don't want to say city blocks because, you know, cities are have larger blocks, but um, about seven or eight town blocks away from the high school. And so um, as I was approaching my neighborhood, um, I looked up ahead and I happened to see this movement behind some shrubs um, and bushes across the street from my house. And when I took a closer look, I realized that it was the same individual that was following, like that was behind me a few blocks um, earlier. And so it was really odd. It really like, it kind of, you know, immediately creeped me out and I immediately dodged and went across the street because had I kept walking, I would have been walking right by those bushes. But I went ahead and as I approached the alley, I went ahead and cut across to my side of the street and kept my eye on that area uh, without trying to, I guess, bring too much light to it until I got to my house because I, again, it was super creepy. And as the person saw me see him, which turned out to be Tony. I knew exactly who it was as I got closer to him because I knew of him and what he looked like. Um, he ducked down even further and kind of hid behind the, like he kind of moved as I moved to keep hidden behind the bushes and the tree that was there. And as I got on the porch, I remember just, you know, I'm like, I'm at home, I'm safe. My mom was inside. And so I kind of like, hollered across the street basically and said you know I see you uh you creep <laughs> and called his name out and said you know you better go or I'm gonna tell my parents and they're gonna call the police and he ended up just in you know quickly he bolted and took off and I don't even remember which direction he just was gone um but it was just super like I was it was just really unbelievable I was like why was he over here what was he doing I, again, I hadn't really had any moments like where we were ever in an area that we were like, hi, I'm, I'm, you know, introducing myself and what's your name? We hadn't had any time that we had ever spoke or talked. So I was like, other than the baton situation and, and living near my best friend, I mean, he might've known who we were, I guess, just because he could have been, you know, at the contest or, you know, in the neighborhood when we would practice outside sometimes. Um, but like, definitely, how did he know where I lived? You know, we, we weren't friends. We didn't hang in the same circles. And I mean, I even was someone who had lots of like birthday parties with inviting lots of like community friends from batons and from softball and from other things that I was involved in. And he was never one of them. <laughs> so I, it was just super creepy. And you know, my mom was appalled by it, of course, because, again, she knew the family and my aunt knew the sister. And so we never said really anything to anybody other than, like, our friends. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty much the gist of it. And then any time at school after that point, if I saw him, you know, we had our freshman hallway, our junior hallway, or, you know, and so on and so forth. And I would avoid, like, if I saw him in a hallway, I would turn and go the other way. I didn't want anything. It just was creepy. It was like, why was he ducked down hiding in the bushes as I'm walking home, coincidentally, in my cheerleading uniform? It just was super, I felt very uncomfortable. And it was very weird. 
I mean, that's that's like a really, really creepy image of a senior kid following a yeah. kid like that. <laughs> right. I mean. And then, yeah, definitely. And then later, you know, my husband and I, my husband went to the same school and he's um, older than Tony. And he said to me, he's like, do you remember like hearing the rumors? Because we had heard rumors later that he had gotten caught peeping in women's windows. And he kind of had a nickname of a peeping Tom. And, you know, I, I, he said, my husband said, I kind of remember vaguely them talking about a police report, but maybe he, it never got like no charges were ever filed against him. And I don't know if the, if there's a report out there or not saying any of that, but we heard it definitely in the community. And so it was for me when I had seen the picture of, uh, Kagan and all of those charges and everything and that he was from Miami County I was like oh Klein I wonder if he's related to Tony and then hearing finding out that it was his dad I was like oh my gosh that kind of to me make you know kind of makes sense because Tony was a super creeper <laughs> like, hearing all of these things about the peeping Tom and the incident that happened with me I was like wow um yeah, it was uh, definitely, I wasn't necessarily shocked, I guess, um, of the incident with his son. Like thinking of those kind of sexual stuff, it, it didn't, I guess it didn't surprise me. Right. And and I'm curious, when you were in high school or during this time, did you or, or your husband remember Tony ever dating anybody in particular? Or like, oh yeah, he's, he's going with her or something like that? Um, no, um... I don't, um, and, you know, actually I was talking to someone today, um, and she would have been at the same year, she would have graduated the same year as him, and she didn't even realize he was married at one point. Like, we, um, she didn't even know that. So, no, I just, I never, I never remember seeing him with anyone, and again, it wasn't like I was, you know, before this incident happened, like I said, I just kind of like, he was just someone that I knew his name. Um, but then after the incident, he was someone I avoided. So I didn't really pay attention to anything going on in, in his life at that point, other than just hearing the rumors that I heard after we graduated. Of course, whenever we speak with people who know either Tony or Kegan Klein, there are certain questions we simply must ask. Does he look like Bridge Guy to you, or does he sound like Bridge Guy? Um, of course, I don't remember his voice because it's been way too many years. Um, but I did think um, the the first sketch. No, I don't think that really looks like any. Like I don't even know where that one came from. But um, the second one, to me, um, when I look at that, if I cover the curly hair a little bit, but I see his, uh, Tony's features and his smirk and the way that he holds his mouth when he is taking pictures, because I've seen a lot of his profile pictures on Facebook. He still honestly looks a lot like he did. He's actually, his face to me looks a little thinner than what it was, um, during part of our high school years, but, um, cause it's kind of longer, um, but I think that the second one does a little bit. I, I see a resemblance there. 
And and what about the uh, the image of the guy walking on the bridge that's been released? It's obviously blurry, but do you see any of Tony in that, or does that not look? Like yeah, him? I I don't I don't necessarily just because I I don't remember any specifics to like the way he walked or how he stood or anything like that. It was just more of what his face looked like for me. So I don't necessarily. I mean, I can't say that I you know I can't rule it out, but I can't say that I think it definitely looks like him. Either. Absolutely. And then, you know, in, with the rumors about him being a peeping Tom and there being maybe a police mm-hmm. report, did, was that ever, do you ever have like any memories of like who he would have been peeping on or any information? No, no, I wish, no, I wish that I, I had, but it, yeah, it was just, you know, for me, as soon as I heard it, it was obviously it was believable. It was believable. It wasn't just a rumor in my head because this was pretty much what I, that's what could have happened to me in this circumstance. Like, had I not seen him and been aware of my surroundings, he may have done the same thing. He may, I mean, we have a fence around our home, but I mean, what was he there for otherwise? And so who knows? And then so with it, when I heard about it, I was like, wow, yeah, I totally could see that. <laughs> right. But no, I don't know yeah. any names, unfortunately. You'd think that if it was just, like, something silly, like, it would just been like, oh, I was just trying to scare you or something, you know, like, instead of running away. Oh, no, I definitely don't feel, I, I didn't feel that, I didn't feel like it was silly. I felt like it was intentional, and I felt like it was creepy. Like, I felt uncomfortable from it. And then when I heard the other stories, I was like, yeah, definitely. If I had not called him out, he, who knows, you know, he could have ended up in the yard. He could have, like, he could have been, I could have been one of those, you know rumored people absolutely so yeah I, I didn't feel it was silly for me it, i mean it was enough for me to avoid him and i wasn't someone who avoided people i was pretty sociable i had a lot of friends um so it, it, you know for him it was like it was creepy for me so i just avoided him if ever i saw him i would go the other way i just didn't want to be around him we want to thank aaron for taking the time to share her story with us it is worth highlighting that both the story she tells about her own experience and what she related about the Peeping Tom incidents, both fall under the category of non-contact sexual offenses. We have seen other instances of that sort of behavior in Tony Klein's criminal history. We are thinking especially of him repeatedly calling at least two women and making sexual noises after they picked up the phone. And, of course, Kagan Klein's history of tricking young girls on the Internet into providing him with sexual pictures of themselves would also fall into the category of non-contact sexual offenses. Speaking of the younger Klein, people have often asked us if we have tried to get an interview with Kagan Klein. We have. Shortly after we released the transcript of Kagan Klein's interview with HLN, we wrote him a letter asking if we could arrange a time to come and do a video interview with him. We told him we wanted to hear his story. Kevin will read the letter he wrote back to us. I appreciate your letter and getting the transcript released, though after reading it, I was not very happy due to how some of my quick answers were perceived in writing. I'm answering your letter in writing due to the fact I have no other way of talking. My lawyer advised me against video visits due to how my last one went. I am, however, open to answering any questions you may have for me through letters. As for my story, I wouldn't really say I have one. I'm just another person the police or state police wrongly accuse of a crime. Happens daily in the world. I do not want any bad publicity on my name. 
There is way too much as it is. I look forward to your letter and reply. Thanks a lot, Kagan Klein. It's interesting to note that Kagan Klein seems well aware that he did not come across well in that interview, and that he seemed to think he could potentially come off better in an interview where he could take time to carefully craft out written answers. It is also worth highlighting that, despite the enormous amount of evidence against him on the child sexual abuse materials charges, that Kagan Klein claims, without offering any evidence, that he was wrongfully accused. If he has a story that explains away all the incriminating information out there, or if he has a tale that could plausibly point the finger at someone else, then we would be very interested in hearing it. And we are sure you would be too. So, after receiving this letter, we immediately wrote a reply to Kagan Klein in which we asked him some initial, basic questions. Despite him saying he would be open to answering us, he has yet to reply. We very much hope he will ultimately choose to do so. To our surprise, we've gotten a number of requests from people saying they would like a way to help financially support our efforts with the show. So, if you are interested, we are relaunching a Patreon page, which you can find at www.patreon.com slash murdersheet. Join us there for two live video question and answer sessions each month. You can ask us anything, suggest new cases for us to look at, or even offer ideas for new leads for us to follow. If Patreon is not your thing, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murdersheet. Thanks for the interest. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Murder Sheet. As always, thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenley, who composed the music for The Murder Sheet and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. To keep up with the latest on the Murder Sheet, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder Sheet, and on Facebook at MSheet Podcast, or by searching Murder Sheet. If you enjoy listening to the Murder Sheet, please leave us a five-star review to help us gain more exposure. And send tips, suggestions, and feedback to murdersheet at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.